You're listening to a message from Gateway Church Geelong. We hope it blesses you. For more information about Gateway, visit gc.org.au. Well, this morning, we just want to welcome you to our family service. It's so great that as families, we can actually be in the house of God together. And this morning, we're going to talk about kingdom intervention, kingdom intervention. And uh, as I told you, we had a uh, went for a little bakery run on Friday to get all the pies and pasties for everybody today. It wasn't just for us, don't worry. But um, last week I was actually having a FaceTime call. Who uses FaceTime in the room? Some yes, some no, some like way too challenging with the technology. But have you ever noticed for those FaceTime users how up and personal, how close and personal it really becomes when you FaceTime another person. How aware you become of yourself and how you look because it's so up close. How can you not be aware of your features? And I was talking with my friend Arzi and you know, in that moment, it was hard to not see and focus on the wit, on the areas that you wished you could turn back time on. It's glaring at you and you can look so washed out even when you've done your hair, even when you have makeup on, it's like it makes no difference on FaceTime. It looks like you've just rolled out of bed basically. Then I became acutely aware. You see, when you're on FaceTime, people can't see what your hands are doing. And so when you're looking at yourself face to face, I can see myself starting to move my cheek up and I'm moving my neck up to the point where I actually could hold my neck up and Arzi wouldn't even realise that I'm doing it and I've shaved 10 years of my life. Obviously, I'm the only one in the room who is vain and I'm not vain. I'm the only one in the room who thinks like that. Is that true? I don't reckon it is. Uh, FaceTime, it's so up close and very personal. So what would be stirring in me in FaceTime? An intervention of youth. An intervention and a quiet chat with my friend Fiona, who has very close work contacts with a plastic surgeon and Botox. Just joking. It's okay. I'm just having a laugh. Just a laugh. Hey, we all have real needs in the room. Or maybe you don't need this type of intervention. Maybe you're in your 20s and you look gorgeous and young and you just probably need to go out of my way. But maybe, just jokes. Maybe when you use FaceTime, you're like some people who struggle to get the camera the right way up. And the other person is always upside down. It doesn't matter how much verbal communication there is. It never, ever changes. And you people in the room, you definitely need an intervention of help or you need to do an IT course, something or other. But never did I imagine one of the greatest social survival tools from the pandemic would be my quickest road to humility. FaceTime can give us the reality that we live in between the conflict of our age and the invitability of growing old. But the conflict of a technological dependent society and how we fit in with the challenges as the user. Well, there are many moments in our life where we want an intervention, but the reality is no intervention can turn back time to its original state. No amount of intervention will ever get the face on the screen the right way up. And we see day to day the need for intervention in our lives. Pregnant women need intervention when they go into labour. Some nanas using FaceTime need intervention. 
My silly dogs need a continual invitation of a bath from all they mud they keep rolling in because of the rain outside. Children crossing the road need the intervention of an adult. And for all of us in the room, we need the intervention that food brings to meet our hunger. So what does intervention mean? Intervention means the action of becoming intentionally involved in a difficult situation in order to improve it or prevent it from getting worse. Are there some people in the room that need some intervention in their life today? But there are moments in life's events that intervention is greatly needed, like good coffee straight after the service. So in June 2014, images of men emerging from the deepest Amazonian rainforest for the first time captivated the world. And this tribe was among the last of our planet's inhabitants to have had no comment contact with the outside world until this point in time. And we see two young men coming out from the jungle. And as they do on the opposite side of the river, villagers astonished and perplexed came out to meet them. But what happened as a result of this interaction quickly became a mess of confusion. Intervention was needed. They might have been occupying the same space, but they were both speaking different dialogues of language. They couldn't understand one another. It's kind of like a baby. When a baby cries, they say their cries are indicators of what the baby is needing at the time. This cry might need it needs to go have a sleep. This cry needs to be fed. This cry needs to be comforted. And as a new parent with a newborn, all these cries are not indications that we understand. It's just completely confusing. And for the villagers on the opposite side of the river, They were hearing their language for the first time. And due to the expression of their language, body language accompanied verbal language, but together it just looked aggressive. But they didn't stay just on their side of the river. They came over to the villagers' huts, ransacking their belongings, but mostly their clothes. And there was an anthropologist who is the person who studies humans, was actually living with the villagers at the time. And he was acutely aware that if the young man who came out of the forest put on the villagers' clothes, they were at risk of sickness, fever and disease. They had no immunity to common viruses making clothes and objects a real danger. So these moments were fraught with risk and struggle to keep things under control. So the anthropologist was telling the young man from the jungle to stop. But what was protection from the anthropologist to the young men just looked aggressive, chaos with hands waving everywhere and shouting words. No one could understand each other. And in all this chaos, what did they need? With misinterpretation flying around everywhere, what would help these villagers? The answer, an intervention. The intervention, the action of somebody becoming intentionally involved in this very fraught, difficult situation. It needed to be improved. It needed to prevent itself from getting worse and leading to tragedy. What did they need intervention for specifically? Interpretation, meaning, 
understanding from the confusion that was resulting in their conversations. So for us today, in our families, our relationships, we experience misunderstanding, confusion in our communication. Our actions can at times be disconnected from our intention and confusion occurs. So we all need intervention at times. My son, who shall remain nameless, empties a bottle of tomato sauce from the bottle and drinks it. This is completely confusing to me and we all, my son, definitely needs intervention most of the time. But the point of intervention is to improve the space we occupy. It's to prevent it from getting worse. So in the life of our family, if we were to intervene on an, in on an issue, would it improve it? Or is this, there some room for us to grow in the areas of our communication within our families? Just maybe we need to ask God for His help and to allow Him to intervene in our hearts to heal some difficulties and the challenge these difficulties have brought to our communication, that we can receive God's healing and together strengthen the way that we talk to each other that will build health to our families. The sweetness that comes from God when He talks with us as His children is the same sweetness that we can bring to our families, that we can bring to each other and our marriages. Psalm 119, 103 says it like this, How sweet are your words to my taste. They're sweeter than honey to my mouth. Proverbs 16, 24 says, Gracious words are a honeycomb. I love honeycomb wrapped in chocolate. Gracious words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul, but it's healing to the bones. May our communication bring words of healing to the bones, the structure of our family, what holds us together, that we would pursue and draw and draw words that are gracious and sweet from our God. So what was the outcome of these men coming out of the Amazonian rainforest for the first time in 2014? In the second part of this documentary, we see that intervention has been pursued and it has come. They found an interpreter who spoke the same dialect of the men from the jungle. And we then find out what everybody was really saying. The two young men that came out from the jungle they came out because they were in great danger and needed help urgently. And what looked like aggression was their cry for help. They were fleeing something terrible. And they were saying there are bad people over there, very bad people in the rainforest. A group of men arrived at our space, forced us to run away because they wanted to take the very lives of our families. Sheena, who was the leader of the tribe, said, we were always hungry in the forest. Sometimes we didn't eat for four days. We didn't sleep well in case our families were attacked. And the reason why they took clothes that day is because they actually didn't want to be naked. His wife said she wants clothes and she wants to be healthy. And even though intervention came, and significant needs were met. A year later, it was still obvious that what drew them out of the jungle still haunts them. 
They wouldn't leave us in peace, they said. There was a massacre in our village. Hundreds of people died and their cry was, our family must stay together. The cries of their heart was that our families must stay together. Human intervention came. But the question is, was human intervention enough? It brought so much help, but they also needed healing. And maybe their cry, our family must stay together, needs to hear God's from Proverbs. Gracious words are like honeycomb, sweet to the soul, my mind and emotions of what I've been experiencing, that it can bring healing to the bones of my family and we can live afresh again. This comes from God's kingdom. God's kingdom intervention is the kingdom of God, full of His healing in our pain. His peace that comes from His kingdom that surpasses our understanding. His joy that can invade our sadness. And God desires to intervene in every area of our lives so that we can experience the fullness of who He is and that we can come to understand that we have total access to the Kingdom of God in this Kingdom of Earth. Kingdom, intervention. God intentionally involved in every area, not to just improve it, but to restore it, to heal it. He has the final say from the Kingdom of God. Human intervention is incredible, but it has limits. Matthew 19, 26 said this, Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Which means we are not limited to what we know. God Himself wants to show that all things are possible to those that believe in Jesus. And Paul He was a follower of Jesus in the Bible and also a writer of many books of the Bible. He writes in the Bible that we too are not limited. He is your life, He says, and we can pursue God and His kingdom intervention into our lives. And he writes these words in the book of Colossians chapter 3, verses 1. Paul writes, He is your life. So if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, you can act like it. Pursue the things over which Christ presides. Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground, absorbed with the things right in front of you. Look up and be alert to what is going on around Christ. That's where the action is. See things from His perspective. Paul says that our relationship with Christ should affect every single area of our lives. And in order to strengthen communication with our families, we need to understand how our actions can affect others both positively and negatively. Our perspective can be limited. But when we have His perspective, we find His truth, allowing us to discover better ways to communicate with one another, stronger, healthier, happy families. Paul says, look up and see things from His perspective. 
Instead of shuffling along, our eyes to the ground, absorbed with the things right in front of us, Paul says we can look up and become alert to what Jesus is saying and see things from His perspective. I don't know about you, but have you ever found yourself in your life just shuffling along, eyes to the ground? I know for me, I have. I had this point in my life where my eyes were to the ground. I was absorbed with the things that were right in front of me. And I was in this moment. I didn't even know how to look up. My perspective was limited. You know, when Lee and I were first married, little did Lee know he didn't just marry me, but what came along with me. And what came with me? was the Arnott's Biscuit Factory that would produce packets of mint slices miraculously out of our kitchen cupboards. They would produce themselves out of saucepans, containers and whatever else I could hide them in. But what was I hiding? It wasn't just chocolate. It was my constant faithful friend. Why? Because eating brought me comfort to buried pain. Pain that didn't fully understand, pain that I didn't fully understand how it actually affected me nor outworked from me. And my comfort strategy had such a painful impact to myself and my family. I would hide it, I would keep it secret and go to great lengths to be in constant relationship at any costs. And I felt incredible shame. But I had no idea that going to such great lengths to seek comfort was connected to my buried pain. And church, this morning, when we bury pain, when we never let it out, we don't feel it. And I get it, but not feeling pain can be dangerous. Pain might seem like a bad thing, but pain has its place because if there was no such thing as pain, we would never know that we were ill and often we would suffer more before steps could be taken to deal with any disease, setback or illness. Pain can be God's red light to tell us that there is danger ahead. And I needed intervention, but human intervention was not enough in my life. Chocolate was not the issue, my friends. The issue was the buried pain I kept underneath. The problem was I was bleeding out and the impact was affecting my marriage and my life. I needed God to become intentionally involved in my very difficult and real situation. Not to just improve it, but to bring permanent change, lasting change. I needed healing for my life. It wasn't just human intervention that I needed. I needed kingdom intervention. I needed God to come and invade my heart and invade my mind. So I began to pursue Jesus. And over time, God completely healed me, which in turn healed my marriage. No longer to have an addiction, but to be completely restored by Jesus. You know, Paul says to us, not just to look up, but above all, pursue Jesus. Above all, you can pursue Jesus in your life. 
He is the one that as you pursue Him, He leads you, He guides you to all truth. Matthew 6.33 says this, But above all, pursue His kingdom and righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. But above all, above all, pursue His kingdom, His right way of living for your life. He has the perfect design for your life that gives you freedom to walk in. And as we do, all these things will be given to us. And I wanted to look up so desperately And as I did, He was right there with me. Church, He had always been there with me. He had always been by my side. He was never far away. He was never distanced. God is always close to you. And the truth for all of us today is that we can pursue healing. Church, do you hear me this morning? You can pursue healing. You have access to the healing of God. We can pursue His perspective. His comfort, His truth. And God says all these things will be given to us. Isn't that incredible? We're not limited today by anything in our present situation. We are not limited. When we pursue Jesus, we receive strength and He wants to build you up and strengthen you. One Chronicles puts it like this. God, You hold strength and power in the palm of your hand to build up and strengthen all. And here we are, oh God, our God, giving thanks to You, praising Your splendid Name. Yours, Lord, is the Kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. God, You have the final say over my life. You have the final say over my children's lives. You have the final say over my family. Yours, Lord, is the Kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. He wants to build you up and He wants to strengthen you and your family. Number two, God wants to give you His Kingdom. In Luke 12, 32, it says, Do not be afraid, for your Father is well pleased to give you the Kingdom. God is well pleased to give you everything that He has. God wants to give you all this morning, church, not just half of His restoration, not just half of His peace. He wants to give it all to you. All that comes from the Kingdom of God wants to come to this earth, to your family, to your life. This morning, church, He wants to give it to you all. And lastly, it belongs to you. The Kingdom of God, it belongs to you. Matthew 6, 9 to 10 says it like this. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be Your Name. Your Kingdom come, Your will be done on earth. On earth in my home on earth in my family, on earth in my communication, in my relationships, on earth as it is in heaven. This is to be experienced, church. My friends, we can experience the fullness of the Kingdom of God in our lives. Colossians 3, 1-2 again, what Paul's saying. So if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, you can act like it. Pursue the things over which Christ presides. We don't have to shuffle along our eyes to the ground, absorbed with the things right in front of you. Paul says this morning, church, you can look up. 
You can look up. You might feel knee deep and buried in all the frustrations and the confusions of life. But Paul is saying you can look up and be alert to what is going on around Christ. That's where the action is. See things from His perspective. And lastly, Paul says to us from Colossians, be alert. God is all around you. Be alert today, church. God is all around you. And we see this in the story of a blind man called Bartimaeus in the book of Mark. He was being alert. Being alert revealed God was all around him. Verse 46, Jesus heals blind Bartimaeus and they came to Jericho. And as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many around him rebuked him, tried to restrain him, to keep him away, to keep him quiet, telling him to be silent. And right in this moment, as Jesus was coming to Jericho, Blind Bartimaeus knew that Jesus was right in his space. He was blind and he had a need that was in his life. And he had heard that Jesus heals people and blind Bartimaeus is right in this space. And he's saying, if I can just call out to Him, I can't see where it is. I can't see how to navigate to get myself to Him. But what I do have, my voice, I'm going to use and I'm going to shout out with what I do have. And see if Jesus will hear my cries. See if Jesus will hear me calling out to Him. But there was conflict conflict of those people around him who wanted him to remain as a beggar, wanted him to remain in his silence, to be pushed back away from society. And so Bartimaeus was experiencing conflict, conflict to be quiet, to stay as he was, to follow the design of the prescribed culture, a beggar. They didn't wanna understand why he was calling out. They just wanted to keep him silent. Have you ever felt that conflict inside of you? To be quiet, to remain as you are, unsure of how to break out of what's holding and restraining you down. You know, for me, I felt that conflict many times in my life. But I remember at this stage of my life, I was 25 years of age and I just started a new job and they just offered me to manage the business for them. And there was four or five hairdressing salons that were a part of this business chain. And they were all gonna come together on this Saturday night and have a huge party where everybody would come from the salons, all the other managers, all the other staff and friends around. And we would have this party on a Saturday night and they would introduce me as the new manager of this business store. And in those moments, hearing about it and, and, and the weeks just climbing down, to getting closer and closer to this party as it got closer to me, my anxiety and my nerves and the overwhelming feeling of I cannot go to this party and be in this social space confidently started to rise, that I started to panic. 
And I could feel on the left and the right hand side of me, my own thoughts, my own heart wanting to restrain me, wanting to hold me down and stay silent and keep quiet. How is it that you can be a manager, but you can't even go to a party to announce what it is that you're gonna do? I was shut down in fear. I was shut down from my own head. And the fact is, I didn't look up like blind Bartimaeus. I shrinked back and I shrinked back so much that I actually quit my job two days before the party because I was so stricken with fear that I just couldn't advance. Have you ever found yourself in a place where the noise around you became so loud that you listened and you stepped back? What I love about blind Bartimaeus here is that he started to cry out all the more. He was already free in his head before he ever was free from his blindness. Bartimaeus cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man saying to him, take heart, Bartimaeus, Jesus is calling you. It's time to get up. He's heard you shouting. He's heard you calling at you. You haven't quit. You haven't stopped. You kept looking up. You kept pursuing. And now Bartimaeus, this is your moment. Jesus has heard you. And throwing off his cloak, What everybody wanted him to stay is as the beggar. He threw it off and he sprang up and he came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Jesus, let me recover my sight. Let me see again. And Jesus said to him, go your way, Bartimaeus, your faith Your trust, not stopping to pursue me, has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Jesus came to Jericho. The Kingdom of God was intervening in Jericho right there where blind Bartimaeus was. By calling out to Jesus, Bartimaeus was pursuing what was already there for him to receive. It was all around him. Not only did Jesus hear him calling out to him, he stopped and communicated exactly what Bartimaeus needed to hear. Nothing got lost in confusion. Nothing got lost in translation with Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? And Bartimaeus said, let me see. And immediately he was understood, healed and could see. Church, do you know that the Kingdom of God is all around us right now? You're in it. It's around us right now in His church. And just like Bartimaeus had his day, then came my day. How did I finally get unstuck and call out to Jesus like blind Bartimaeus and receive my own healing? It was a conversation with God right here at this church at those doors. You see, God had called me to be a pastor in this church. And I remember saying, God, how in the world can I be a pastor if I can't even face people in the foyer and talk confidently in a social space? I'm scared of the foyer. I'm a pastor and I'm scared of the foyer. I then said, if you want me to do this, God, you're gonna have to teach me how to talk. You're gonna have to teach me 
how to see people as you see people. You're gonna teach me how to have conversations and be confident in the way that I converse with people. Teach me how to speak to people like you would. How to have a real conversation like you can, Jesus. How to build relationships that have real meaning. And for 12 months, I pursued everything Jesus had to offer me and I stuck with it. And in all that time, church, He never left my side once. He was with me, guiding me, teaching me, leading me and building my confidence to communicate well. And socially, everything changed where I was never scared of the foyer and all of you again. (laughs) What did I receive when I called out to Jesus? Healing. I see clearly. What did I see? Who I was in His eyes. Who He called me to be and what He purposed me to do. And that He will never leave me. And Jesus is always sticking with me. And church, as I finish, this is what He would wanna say to us today. Jeremiah 1, 11 to 12, God's message came to me. He said, Jeremiah, what is it that you see? And Jeremiah said, I see a walking stick. That's all. And God said, good eyes, I'm sticking with you. I'll make every word I give you come true. I'm sticking with you. Church, He's sticking with you and your families. He's sticking with you until confusion of communication becomes so crystal clear that you look around and you think, wow, this is my family. This is my family, God, that I looked up and I pursued you and the design of family that you gave to me. You've completely changed it. Where I was limited, you've just gone beyond my expectations of what I thought family could be and what I could do. And with you, God, you've changed it all. And I look around and say, God, it's because of you that my family looks this way. He's sticking with you this morning. Can we bow our heads in prayer? Father, I just pray for every single family, every marriage, every child, every teenager, every adult, every grandparent. Father, we are all carers of families in this place. And Father, I just pray Your protection. Father, I pray that You would reveal Your words into our hearts, that we would see so clearly if there are ways in which we can strengthen the bond of our families. God, we're open this morning. Father, we just want to look up. We don't want to stumble around looking down all the time at the same issues. Father, we want to look up and say, God, I want to pursue Your design for my family. I wanna pursue your health, your communication. How is it that you could bring strength and build the bones of my family to a greater level that when we stand, we stand on strength. We stand on your foundation, God. So I just declare on our families, we receive from you today, God, because the Kingdom of God is wanting to bring intervention into our lives. And Lord, You said we can have the Kingdom of God. You said that it belongs to us. And Father, we receive all that You have for us. In Jesus' Name we pray, Amen. You know, today, as your eyes are closed, as we just take one moment, today, what's your need? What it is, what is your need? 
Because the Bible says, take heart, get up. He is calling you. What do you want Him to do for you today? What do you want God to do for you today? Father, we just pray in this place that from their hearts we have said the one thing that we need you to do for us. And God, you said that we have access that you hear us and that you will respond to us, Father. The kingdom of God that can intervene in our life, it belongs to us. So Father, we thank you. You're so loving. You are so generous. You are so kind. And your words are so sweet to us as your children. And we just pray for every family in Jesus' name. Amen. You might be watching online or in this place at the moment. You know, the greatest intervention that God ever brought to this earth was His Son, Jesus. The greatest intervention in time that God our Father ever brought to us as His children is His Son, Jesus. He brought us a Saviour and He gave us an incredible hope. And Romans 10, 9 says, If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, the Bible says that you will be saved. Jesus can come into your life. You can walk with Him. You can talk with Him. You can have a relationship. And for many of us in this room that we have, we have prayed this prayer, inviting Jesus into our heart. But maybe you're sitting there and saying, Pastor Naomi, I've never made that prayer. I've never said that prayer, inviting Jesus into my heart, into my life. And I really wanna experience what it means to have a relationship with God. We're going to say this prayer in the moment and can we stand in the room together today? And we're just going to say this prayer and if you've never said it before, I'm just going to invite you, welcome you into saying it for the first time. But as a church, we're going to pray it with you. Dear Jesus, I believe that You are Lord. I believe in my heart that God, You raised Jesus from the dead. And upon this truth, I am saved. In Jesus' Name, Amen. We pray that that message was a blessing to you. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, first of all, congratulations. We think that that is incredible. And secondly, if you go to gc.org.au forward slash first steps, our team has put together some resources as well as there's some information there for how you can get in contact with one of our pastors because we'd love to encourage you and connect you into the life of the church.